Today, we're going to meet Max Segal, director and founder, Honor Consulting Group. We're going to talk hotel security and its role with executive security. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Hi, this is Pelham Rowe. We're here with the Circuit Magazine podcast. I am joined by Sean West, John Moss, and Elijah Shaw. We're talking hotel security with Mac Segal. John, is this a natural fit? What's what's the deal here? Is this not something we should already have solved? You know, there's there's lots of different permutations. So first of all, are you working solo? Are you part of a team? Because that's going to change the dynamic. That's going to change your ability, your capabilities on the ground, right? You know, I've got a lot of experience working in a solo capacity. And in that role, you're a lot more reliant on the in-house security, on, you know, that director of security building a relationship, having a good rapport and, uh, you know, trying to find the time to have a face-to-face. It's not easy. When do you do in advance? You know, do you have the opportunity to get a face-to-face or is it done over the phone? If if you're on a team, you know, you've got a lot more luxury there. You can send the advance party out. You can start building that uh, relationship right up from the start. Mm, it's 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 tough though, isn't it? It's evolving, especially in uh, last year's context. Uh, I- Elijah, what's new uh, with hotel security? I mean, is is it not something that we're going to integrate into EP naturally? Well, I, I think it's it's coming now. To what degree and to what speed is a whole different story. Um, you know, one of the reasons I think this topic. Uh, is going to be is, re- is going to resonate with the listeners, uh, particularly in the security industry, is because there's so many examples, so many case studies of it going wrong, that we have to stop ignoring it and put more emphasis on it. I mean, you know, if you just think about what's happening in 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 uh, in terms of uh, timeliness, you know, you think about the uh, Kim Kardashian hotel robbery uh, when she was in in Paris. And if we look at that as protectors, we have to start putting some things in place that are going to help make us successful um, in those areas. Absolutely. Yeah, because because now it's a good time to plan. Uh, Sean, I know, you know, many travelers have had a bit of downtime, uh, but but this is a perfect opportunity to plan for the next uh, you know few years. What, what, what do you think? I agree. I mean, with this pandemic, all protocols have been looked at across the board, you know, not just hotel security, everything, you know, other topics we're going to talk about on the podcast, medical procedures, all sorts of things. But going back to hotel security, what John said is key, communication. When you're, when you're going to a hotel, doing an advance on a CP operation, you can tip your hat with the security. They can bring you so much intelligence of that venue. The best entrance is the main entrance, the best entrance to arrive, or is there a sneaky one around the back where you can take your principal in? You know, you're going to get so much information from them. What you can get on one visit for five minutes, they can give you 10, 15 years of knowledge, which they might have had working there. So don't try and do it all yourself. Communicate with them. Use them on your team if you can. Use them to become a force multiplier. Uh, Elijah, you, you know Mac for some time. Uh, what do you think he's going to talk about? Oh, yeah, I have known Mac for a while now. And you know, he's a great guy that has just this wealth of knowledge in a lot of different areas. So anytime he's his name comes up, my ears perk up just because I know you're going to get something from it. So uh, if, if he's talking about hotel security specifically, I think we're going to get some tools that we'll be able to use uh, moving forward, particularly uh, once we start 
once the world opens back up and we start traveling again. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, it's just around the corner, surely. Uh, John, what do you think? You've been trying to get Mac for some time. You're developing the Circuit Magazine this month, especially. Travel risk management, is it going to come back? Look, travel security has never gone away. If anything, it's become more important, even though, yeah, okay, there's less of us traveling. You know, personally, I haven't moved around very much at all. Uh, but, but certainly, if you are making a move, the planning that you have to do at the moment and the considerations that you need to take into account are huge. You don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to get it wrong. Absolutely not. Sean, you've actually done a bit of travel as well. Um, what, what do you think about this topic, hotel security married with executive protection? I mean, it's one of them topics which is taught on every CP course, part of the advance. You know, there are lots of people you have to meet, uh, the hotel managers, the hotel security. And I, I guess the way I've operated wherever I've worked in the world, you treat everyone with respect, the way you expect to be treated, and that's how you get the most out of these people. Treat the cleaner as you expect to be treated. And with the hotel security, yes, you have to go there. Communication is key when dealing with them. If you want to draw out, get as much out of them as you can. The better the relationship you have with them, the more you're going to be able to utilize them within your team, your concept of ops. Absolutely. And I think I think that's that's Max sentiment too. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's hear from Mac. It's 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 going to be great. Let's start off the year with a fantastic podcast with Mac and the uh, topic of hotel security. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit Magazine. Hello, we're here with Max Segal, founder of the Arnest Consulting Group and great friend of the EP industry. Uh, how are you doing, Mac? Uh, great, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. Once again, sharing the stage and great to be here with John. Um, and uh, life is good. Okay, life's good. A little bit different, a little bit less travel, uh, but maybe a future where travel will look a little different. You're, you're famed for your expertise in uh, the world of hotel security. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself and, and how that came to be? Um, well, I've been in the industry uh, on and off for a little over 27 years now. Um, I was in the military, uh, government, I'll save you the bio, it's just on my LinkedIn, I reckon. But um, many years of consulting, about seven years ago, a client of ours said, uh, we have a hotel project in uh, Africa. Uh, do you think you could build a security master plan for the hotel? And I said, sure. Uh, thinking, well, how different can it be, right? And I had the very good fortune to meet a gentleman called Paul Moxness, uh, who is a, a legend, not just in hotel security, in the security industry in general, who was the head of security for Carlson Residor at the time. And Paul took the trouble to teach me about the hotel industry, because I knew about security, but hospitality is a whole different game. And to understand the functioning of a hotel, the operations of a hotel, people flow, rentable, rates per room, vacancies, back of the house, front of the house, and to be able to design security that's actually effective, but implemented for a hotel. It's not overt that the guests feel comfortable and it's something that the hotel is actually willing to do because otherwise it's just a book of recommendations that sits on a shelf that never really gets implemented. 
So we did that project and I quite liked that space. So I kind of learned more and one project led to the next. Um, and I guess the major boost was the Mandalay Bay shooting in Vegas, the tragedy. Um, after that, I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by uh, the BBC, Fox News, USA Today, New York Times. Um, I guess they Googled and found that I'd written a lot about hotel security. And that kind of catapulted me kind of into the spotlight, which was very fortunate. Um, and since then, it's just a space where I'm really comfortable. I've spoken at a lot of conferences, trained a lot of people, done a lot of assessments, written a lot of articles, been interviewed, and uh, I, I really enjoy that space, and I'm still active there. I'm, I'm listening to you talk about hotel security there and how you became the expert that we all know that you are today. But uh, what I want to know straight off the bat are what benefits have you gained by working in this area of the industry? Because I know this sounds like a bit of a loaded question because I'm imagining there are some, but I want to hear it from you. Okay, so it's interesting. So when I first started, first it's a great question, John. When I first started doing hotel security, so I was looking at it as an operator, right? Because I, my background is EP. So obviously we had surveys hotels during advances. Right. So can we let our clients stay in this hotel and what will be the emergency procedures and what are the hotel procedures and security like? Uh, and how can we layer our protective detail over that? Um, so I was looking from an operator point of view. And uh, when I started working uh, on the other side, like for the hotel industry, um, looking outward, uh, it gave me kind of a deeper understanding saying, OK, well, sometimes, firstly, not everything that hotels are saying they're doing, they're actually doing but it's really nice on paper and in the procedures and they claim like now with COVID, they've all got all the stuff that they've got all these certifications and then the reporters go undercover, you know, and they check for the cleaning and they discover actually it's not being cleaned. Um, so they claim standards which aren't always being implemented. Um, and on the other hand, it gave me an understanding that us as an EP industry, sometimes our expectations are unrealistic. That the hospitality industry isn't, it's not so easy for them to accommodate uh, our wishes as we would have it. So you've got to kind of understand that for you as an operator to kind of get the hotel to facilitate you and your principal and to give you the services or open the side or the back door or whatever it is that you need, there's ways to go about that um, to get the cooperation from, from the property. So it was kind of interesting wearing you know, the other person's shoes and seeing how it looks kind of looking outward. So I think that's probably the, the, the best benefit uh, in terms of my kind of holistic career. Um, it was just a whole fresh way of looking at, at hotels. Yeah, I, I almost feel like that's a bit of a politician answer there. I'm like, and, and, and I love it. I love it. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying not well. to tick off either industry. <laughs> <laughs> good job. No, very, very good job. So w with all that in mind, and, and, and I like the way that you framed this at the start in, you know, coming from an EP and operator background. And I know a lot of our listeners out there are operators and we, we've all got experience of visiting hotels and um, understanding the, the dynamics that are playing that we can't always have everything the way we want it and that we have to set our expectations correctly, as, as you just mentioned. Um, so with that in mind, then, what is it that really defines hotel security or separates it from the rest of the EP industry? So I think that, well, firstly, the hotel security begins and ends with the guest, like everything else in, in the hotel, um, but the guest experience. 
So we, uh, in our EV industry, we look after our principals and obviously their comfort and facilitating their success and productivity and safety is our main concern. Um, the hotel, however, everybody in the hotel is their concern. So the fact that I'm there with my principal doesn't mean they're going to be willing to inconvenience 700 other people who to them also are paying the bills and renting rooms and bringing business to them. So we kind of march in going like, oh, I've got this very important person and I need to you know, lock down this elevator and do this and do that and give me this parking space and leave my vehicles staging out front. I don't want any taxis close by. And they're like, yeah, no, right? <laughs> That's not an option. Uh, so they have to, as hotel security managers, they have to take in a lot more into consideration. We're looking after one or two or five people, but they might be looking after a thousand people. And we're there and they have a conference and the conference in the Meister uh, space with you know, 500 people or a thousand people over there. And there's a visiting football team and you know, whatever else is going on on their property. And some of the properties in Europe, it's smaller. In the United States, there are colossal properties of a thousand, fifteen hundred rooms. These are huge properties. And there can be several VIPs and things going on at the same time. I actually did a, uh, an assessment, uh, for, for Trump hotels in the United States, or all their hotels. And the, the Washington DC property, it has built on the old DC post office. Huge, like rectangular structure. The lobby bar is massive. It's a magnificent bar. And Friday, Saturday night, there's got to be two, three hundred people there. It's packed, right? And half of those people are somebody from the government, from Congress, senators, this, that. Half the people have got details, right? So there are a lot of important people. It's not just, hey, me and my guy. There are other people. And the hotel have to juggle all of this and accommodate all of this, which is actually quite challenging. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So I, I think the message there, as an operator as well, is not to expect that you're the most important person in the room, or certainly that you and your principal aren't necessarily the most important people in the room, and to appreciate that. But whilst all from, from the EP perspective, you know that you have to ask, you have to try and go that extra mile and there's going to be a lot of pressure from the principals to get you as their right-hand man as their operator to to go a little bit further to get that you know that special hospitality laid on for them so have you got any advice for the operators listening for the best way that they should approach that in relation to the interface with the the hotel security security manager and so on Yes, absolutely. It's a great question. I've been asked it many times. Um, well, many times the security, the hotel security manager, firstly, be nice. Be very, very nice. If you're going to come in there, um, kind of guns blazing or feeling that you're really important because you've got this Fortune 100 CEO, uh, and you come in there like you own the place, all you're going to do is get his back up or her back up and they're not going to help you. Um, you need to come in there. I mean, in many instances, we don't, even engage with the security manager per se. We can get it done through the, the GM or the, um, the, 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 the rooms manager and get what we want. One of the issues with hotel security managers is when you uh, recruit them, they want to help. And often their help can be more of a hindrance to you because they start, you know, clearing a path and pushing people out of the lobby and, you know, wanting to grab the client's bags and, all sorts of things because they want to be part of it, right? They, they also want to you know, touch the, the famous guy. Uh, and that often is actually a, a bit of a hindrance. 
So certainly in, in the corporate space where we were, <clears throat> we often didn't really, depending on the country in that, involve the security manager more than we had to. Um, unless, of course, you have armed security on the premises, in which case you absolutely, out of courtesy, need to let him know uh, that you have you know, legally armed personnel on the premise. The best way to get cooperation from a hotel uh, is to engage. It's not usually the, the GM. It's one level underneath that. Uh, so kind of the, the, the rooms manager, manager, the hospitality manager, the event manager, and to be absolutely as engaging and nice as possible and recruit them. Ask for things. Don't demand things. Don't say, listen, we need you to do this, 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 this. Hey, you know, we'd really appreciate, I know this is a bit unorthodox, but, you know, if we could actually just use that door, if you could open these doors or whatever it is, or if we could put the table in the restaurant over there, that would be great. But the minute you start demanding, uh, they start shutting down. You can't strong arm them, right? You're in a rich culture. It's like, hey, uh, you're important, but actually they're fairly important in their space as well. Right? <clears throat> They're at the top of their game, the same as you're at the top of your game. But give them that respect. And you get much, much, much more with a characteristic uh, when it comes to hotel. Just be respectful. And if they can't do something, accept it. Don't throw your toys. Don't be upset. Just say, okay, that's great. And then be creative and find a different solution. What you'll also find is over the years in different cities, you'll find hotels that are more comfortable to work with. There are hotels who get it. We've had a lot of VIPs there who are lower key, who aren't such like family hotels, more exclusive. And they're usually much more accommodating because they've had, whether it's uh, a royalty or the secret service or whichever politician staying there. So they kind of get it. So select the hotels carefully and be nice. That's the best advice they can give you. Excellent. But thanks, thanks, Mike. As you were saying that, I was drawing parallels uh, between some of the topics we had at the Washington, D.C. corporate security event. I don't know if you remember that, where we said, in D.C., everyone is important. And it comes with its own dangers of being among other really important people. Collateral damage and, 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 and lots, of, lots of potential clash. So so it's so really like that, that, that sort of parallel. Coming to the present moment, obviously it's a bit of a developing situation, but because of the travel restrictions, because of the pandemic, the golden question, how do you see hotel security evolving given the current situation? Um, yeah, question on everybody's lips. Um, I've been fortunate to be involved in an international hotel think tank uh, since about June where just leaders from the hotel industry kind of got together to discuss this going forward. And uh, they invited me to join the think tank from a security perspective. Uh, it was extremely interesting to hear how the industry are thinking and what their concerns are. Uh, I recently wrote an article in Hotels Magazine published where I kind of mentioned the fact that everybody is like COVID focused, like, hey, but the rest of the threat landscape is still out there. <laughs> As we saw in Austria and France, the tourists haven't gone away and the pickpockets haven't gone away. And, you know, the guy who's, who, who want to ghost your Wi-Fi signal and, and grab your data haven't gone away. Um, so I think COVID has kind of blinded people to remembering what else it is we do to protect our principles. In terms of the hotels going forward, uh, I'm going to add in a piece here. So there is an ISO guideline slash standard coming out in 2021 called ISO 31030, 31030. It is a travel risk management standard for corporations from ISO. 
Uh, it's called guidelines, not a standard, because you can't apply it the same way to every corporation, because the oil corporation is different from a high-tech corporation. But it's a set of guidelines about travel risk management. Now, this is important for corporations and hotels. Because for the first time, there's actually an ISO standard talking about this stuff. So apart from the obvious value that corporations will now actually have to pay careful attention to duty of care towards the executives who are traveling and actually guidelines about um, you know, pre-trip uh, education, communication, apps, ground transportation, hotel selection, emergency procedures, contingencies, and all these good things, there's a liability issue. Right, because if my principal works for ABC company, and we stick him in a hotel, and there's an attack on that hotel, and something happens to him, and there's a lawsuit, now the prosecution go, okay, ABC Corporation, there's an ISO standard for travel risk management. Did you follow that standard? Did you comply? Did you choose a hotel that complies with those recommendations? No. Oh, why not? Because maybe if you had, your guy wouldn't have been injured, or worse. So it's kind of a bit of a can of worms. So the corporate industry is starting to sit up and take notice of this standard, and so is the hotel industry. Now, for us in EP, it's great, because if we know that hotels are compliant with this ISO standard, that's already a great baseline for us uh, to start selecting properties wherever in the world we are. The tricky part is going to be compliance, right? Because ISO, because it's not a standard, they're not certifying. So now you're going to have every like happened with COVID. Every guy on the street corner popping up with a COVID certification, right? Going, oh, we certify hotels for COVID, right? About 35 of them currently popped up like mushrooms. Are they good certifications? How good are they? How serious are the audits? How well do they check implementation? No idea. But I've got a nice certificate in my lobby, so clearly everything's cool. So with travel risk management, that's going to be the challenge. Um, and there are organizations out there that are doing really good certifications. There's one that's doing third-party accredited certifications, uh, UK government level, SSJ awards. Um, they're the first to actually have a third-party accreditation. And we are going to see that in hotel selection. Hotels are going to get more and more demand from corporations saying, we want to see a certification that you guys actually take security seriously. Um, so that is definitely coming down the pipeline. Uh, thanks. That's a, that's a, that's a great vision. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine there's, a, there's still a lot that needs to be put in place to get from where we are now and what we've been used to, to somewhere like that. Now would seem like the perfect time to be implementing something like that, given that we've got a little bit more time on our hands, perhaps. Yep. But... That said, I'm anticipating there's going to be a bit of an explosion at some point in 2021 when everybody gets the opportunity, hopefully, to break out of the lockdown situation. And we all want to get traveling again. Certainly, our principals who are not used to being so restricted are going to want to start getting back on their planes, traveling, frequenting luxury hotels. And so in the rush to do that, Mark, what, what are the considerations, bearing in mind what you've just said about the development of uh, standards and certification and so on? What are the things that the average EP operator needs to look for when selecting hotels? Now, and I'm talking about a 
post-pandemic situation, but still fresh in the mind? What are the considerations? What should we be looking for? Well, great question. Firstly, yeah, so COVID, I agree with you that we almost taste that it's coming to an end and everybody's you know, gnashing at the bit, rearing to go. And I think there will be like an explosion of everything in 21. I think you're absolutely right. But COVID will still be hovering. And there's still this massive awareness because we've lived with it for a year. So COVID-19 will be like the number one thing on any traveler's mind when they're traveling. So for us as EP agents, we've discussed it in various forums. So what do we do? So we have a client now going to a hotel. So the first thing definitely is certification. Now certification, again, in many instances, auditors are marking their own homework, right? So I go, I audit a hotel, and I go, okay, I think that's okay. And I give them a certificate of my signature, which they stick up in their lobby, but okay, <laughs> it was my audit, right? Which is why I said there's one company doing a third-party audit, and that's much better. The audit gets done, then gets submitted. The people who are certifying have no idea who the auditor is. They have no connection. They're just doing a completely objective review of the audit, which is a standard audit, which has been approved by them and going, hotel qualifies or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, there's corrective actions. You've got three months or whatever to do the corrective actions. Then that's proof that you've done them. And you get recertified once a year. It's not a one-off thing that you get to keep forever. Um, and it's a boot-on-the-ground audit. For example, a lot of people do self-audits. Oh, yes, we, we, we do a COVID audit. Yeah, we'll send you this checklist, right? You fill out the checklist, you send it back, we send you a certificate. But really? Um, that's not worth it. So... COVID certification is going to definitely be high on that list, but do a little bit of homework, right? Or if you want to reach out to someone like me, I'll be happy to help and give you some advice. But just because it, it, it has a, you know, a beer doesn't mean it's a goat, right? Just, just because it, it's on the wall doesn't mean that they're doing anything. And there was a recently an article in the UK papers that, you know, some journalists went undercover, you know, with kind of uh, ultraviolet markers and mock bedding and, remote controls, and then came back the next day, you know, ultraviolet light to see what had been sanitized and what hadn't. And it was a little bit scary. They did the same thing in the States. So they claim they're doing all this stuff, but they're not. Which means that us as EP agents uh, need to take responsibility as well for sanitizing our principal's rooms, right? The same as the vehicles, right? We, we can't just take the hotel's word for it that they wiped everything down etc. We want to make sure that the bedding is changed every day. We want to have a look and see that the housekeepers actually are wearing masks uh, and gloves. Um, maybe we want to, or we or one of our agents, if we can, you know, go through the room, wipe down, you know, surfaces, um, handles, things that, that the client will be touching, um, and make a little bit of extra effort. Um, but kind of a COVID-19 audit, I think, is going to become part of the advance. So when we're doing our advance now, we're going to kind of think about that. Uh, in terms of uh, testing facilities or what happens. And these are questions we can ask the hotel. So what happens if someone in the hotel uh, walks in? You've got a thermal scan in the lobby. That's great. We're so impressed. What happens if somebody walks in with a fever? What's your procedure? And at, at that point, the hotels usually blink and go, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't let them in. I'm like, okay, but it's the guy paying 10,000 bucks a night for the suite. And it's his wife. You're not going to let her in? Really? I want to see how that goes, right? Um, so it's important to ask the hotel, so what, what, are, what are your COVID protocols and what are the emergency procedures? What happens if one of your chefs suddenly starts coughing his head off and has a 40 degree fever, right? What do you do then? Um, because that's going to give you a reflection of 
how much they've actually thought about all these things and, uh, you know, whether you should take the property seriously or go, yeah, maybe we should look for, for somewhere else. Um, and that includes both all security, right? I mean, I asked that question, you know, about fire, about if I'm in Africa, I'm like, I'll say to a receptionist during that bond, oh, so what do you do if you hear a big explosion in the parking lot? And they just look at you and go, uh, 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 we, 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 we. Okay, and then you've got to know that, right, there are no emergency procedures in place in this property, right? So if something happens, I'm on my own. The hotel, I'm not going to be useful at all. Um, which is unfortunately the case in many, many properties. I love, I love the phrase. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow it. If just because it's got a beard doesn't mean it's a goat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I can say that because I got a beard. <laughs> I like it. Um, no, no, it, it's got uh, memories of uh, the Ebola crisis, where hotels were very proud of their equipment that they were keeping to one side. Well, I tell you what, what left to talk about in the world of you know hotel security that's unresolved because covid will come to an end and we'll get back to the unresolved issues um and and then and it'd be great to hear you know what's next for you mac okay well um i think what's next for hotels which i and others have been trying very hard uh is to get hotels on board to understand that uh, hotel security has to be everybody it can't just be the security manager and the three or four people he has on his team Right, that kind of uh, suspicious indicator uh, awareness training, um, or imminent attack uh, indicator training has to be given pretty much to everybody. Right, emergency response training, everybody. So if something happens because it's a big hotel. I was at a major Vegas property after the Mandalay Bay shooting, huge property. And uh, the security manager proudly told me that as a result of the Mandalay Bay incident, they now have an undercover crisis response team, an undercover guy who's armed on the property, right? They've got a a critical response team for an active shooter scenario. I hate that term. Okay, but that's what they use. And I said, well, how many people are in the team? He's like, one. I'm like, have you seen your property? It's like four city blocks. What do you mean one guy, right? If there's a shooter, by the time he finds the shooter, there'll be 100 people dead. And there's about a thousand entrances and exits from the hotel. And what do you mean you got one guy? Like, don't bother, right? Just send him home. Like, either do it properly or don't do it. This uh, security theater is what hotels engage in a lot, unfortunately. And there's this massive difference between feeling safe and being safe. And hotels are masters at making you feel safe. So they've got the guy in the suit and they've got the cameras and, you know, they've got all the signage and everything. And you feel, oh, this is really serious. But when you start to get down to a finer resolution, see, do they actually have emergency procedures for whatever the crisis may be, if it's a natural disaster or a shooter or a, you know, or a heart attack, do they really have procedures in place? Do they really know what to do? And unfortunately, the answer is often no. Um, and and we, we try and, and you think it would be an easy sell to hotels. Hey, do you want to spend a little bit of money on training your staff? How do, how do I identify a suspicious person? No. How much do you spend on champagne in the lobby every day? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, okay. And, and flowers, and so you spend money on all the stuff, I get it, and you train housekeepers exactly how to fold the towels, but train the housekeepers how to notice a suspicious individual? No. And that is really, it, it is that easy, and it's not a huge investment. It's not a lot of money to do some training for yourself, um, but they don't. They really don't, and, and it, it's... Uh, just amazing to those of us in the field why there's such resistance uh, to doing that. 
Um, so I guess for me in this space, in the hotel space, I'm uh, still working. Um, I do a lot of projects also in Africa, which is always interesting and challenging. Obviously, the, the threat level, depending on the country, is different. Um, what's amazing, if I can rattle on a second, is that there's a perceived threat in Africa, right? So we perceive it to be very dangerous. And we perceive Paris to be very safe. But that's not necessarily the case, right? Because the attacks in Austria or France, the Bataclan Theatre night, those could have easily spilled over into the lobby of a hotel. There's nothing stopping terrorists walking into the lobby of the, you know, or whatever hotel, the Radisson or the Jules, the Louis Jules Fund, whatever it is, in Paris and doing whatever they want. There's absolutely nothing to stop it. But if you go to Lusaka, there's security up to Yazoo. Lusaka is actually quite a safe place. But there's this perception that certain places are dangerous. So the hotels have more visible security. But again, it's security theater. Uh, there's very few properties that I've ever audited that I went, okay, these guys are really on the ball. They, they have what they need. They're trained. They've got routine procedures. They've got emergency. They've got effective transition from routine to emergency. Very, very few properties. That's why we always, as EP, we always have to have a plan. You cannot rely on the hotel to solve your problems. You're responsible for your principal. You need to have a plan. Walk down the fire escape. Make sure that it is unobstructed. Make sure that the door isn't locked shut with a chain like you find in Africa because a lot of stuff leaves the hotel. A lot of stolen stuff leaves to the fire escape. So the hotel's chained and closed. So you, when you're doing the advance, you really need to pay attention to that. Just because it says, I've gone down emergency exits and landed me up in closets and in kitchens and in dead ends because the signage, you know, what wasn't put in correctly. So, you know, hotels, security, they try and in some places it's better. Uh, but with EP, you, you can't just rely on that. You, you need to do the legwork. Fantastic. Um, well, well, John, do you have anything more for Mac? Or has this been a fantastic total force through the world of hotel security? It absolutely has, yeah. And it's uh, listening to Mac talk, it really sets the scene, doesn't it? And makes you wonder about all the things that go on behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see or pick up on. And, and if I can just finish with one thing, but I wondered, Mac, mm. have you got any experiences of your many years of uh, auditing and assessing hotel security that you want to share with us? Give me your worst case scenario, something that you've experienced. Uh, well, one, one, one jumps out. Uh, this was at a property actually uh, in, in Africa, in uh, Togo. A five-star property. It's got the most magnificent uh, conference facilities uh, in Lome. It was going to be like the conference center for West Africa high-end conferences, a very fancy five-star hotel, quite a big property. And I was auditing the property, and um, the main vehicle entrance was set up uh, kind of with jersey barriers and S-bends so that somebody couldn't gather speed to ram the hotel. I was like, okay, this is great. So I kind of took some measurements and looked around, and I said, okay, but um, a fire truck <laughs> won't be able to get through here. So what happens if there's a fire? So they went, oh, no problem, sir. On the northeast side of the property, there's a gate in the fence, and that's where the fire truck service road. I said to them, okay. I said, can we go back to the security control center and do a little simulation? So we go back to the security control, and the two guys sitting there. So I came up behind the one, and I started shaking his chair, and I started yelling at him. There's a fire, there's a fire, there's a fire. You need to open the gate. You need to open the gate. So they look at each other. I'm like, okay, whose job? Whose job is it to open the gate? Who needs to open the gate? And they're like, um... 
Um, well, okay, so one of them decides he'll open the gate. Where's the key? Okay, it takes them another 10 minutes of rummaging through drawers to find the key to the gate because it's not obviously in a box marked clearly where you can see it. They get the key. We all run off down the service road to the gate where there's a chain and the big lock, which obviously hasn't been opened in about 10 years because it's completely rusted shut. So he's there with the key struggling. Of course, the lock doesn't budge. So I said, security manager, I said, okay, so that's your procedure. That's your idea. That somebody who you haven't defined is going to open the gate with a key that isn't marked and isn't available to a lock that hasn't been opened in 10 years. And clearly there's no regular checklist, you know, in your routine procedures to check the perimeter, to check the gate, to oil the lock, whatever it is. I said, do you understand? If there's a fire here, people will die. Because the fire truck actually can't get in unless you have a bolt cutter. And, and he just kind of blinked and looked at me. I, he, there was very little he could say. But that's a typical example of they, they, they go, yes, no problem. We've got a gate. That's where the fire truck comes in. And they have absolutely zero idea that that's actually going to work. They have zero procedures to facilitate the fire truck coming in. And physically, it's an impossibility because they never bother to check these things in their routine procedures. So that's just one small example. Fantastic. I think that's an excellent note to wrap up on. It really highlights the necessity for due diligence, having an investigative mind and test. Test, 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 right? 100%. If you take it at face value, you're going to come unstuck. Fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. It's really been fun. I like your questions, John. They're challenging and uh, it's fun. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Great answers. We've learned a lot. Thanks, Mac. Uh, It's great to have you and we will see you again shortly. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Adam. Great to hear from Mac Segal, founder of Arna Consulting. It's great to have him. He's very much in demand. Uh, John, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. And uh, um, it's only a shame that we didn't leave the interview uh, recording afterwards because we had a really great chat. Elijah, what what are your thoughts? Where next for hotel security then? Uh, You know, I think the big piece is, is that, you know, we had a subject matter expert on there. He talked about the realities of the uh, of that segment of the marketplace and just gave us some great tips and takeaways. So uh, I think all all protectors are going to take some some of the little nuggets that were and the jewels that were dropped there and apply them to our own toolbox. Awesome. And John, you know, we're we're now for the circuit magazine. We've got another issue coming out. Uh, we got lots on the table. What should people be aware of? Issue 56 is just about a drop, so look out for it. You know, we've got a whole ton of places now that you can read the Circuit Magazine and you can download it. So obviously, we've got the Circuit app. We've now got BBA Connect app, and we've got the site. Your BBA or another member, you're going to get it delivered to your door. If you're none of those things, why not? There's always time to start. Issue 56 is a great place. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, this has been an excellent episode of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Let's see you next week for another exciting edition from myself, Sean, John, and Elijah. This has been great. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.